Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Demon Lamb Podcast. My name is Andy, and joining me tonight, uh, once again, Great Viney. Good evening, Great Viney. How are you? I'm excellent, Andy. Thank you. Um, and also joining us, back by popular demand, uh, Super Mercado uh, from the at Demon Blog on uh, Twitter. How are you? Gents, I'm great. Thank you for having me on after a win. This is my after a win debut on the podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, will, I will inform our audience that uh, Super Mercado was invited to, to, to join us uh, after a loss and uh, he declined. Um, shame on you. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't personal. I just had. Uh, I had a, about eight thousand words of a blog to write, and I hadn't quite managed it by Wednesday night. So I had to to dig in there. Well, um, you know, we we had to turn up uh, <laughs> and uh, commiserate on air, um, but we'll let you off this time. Um, a win uh, this week, but bef- before we talk about uh, the win, uh, sad day. Uh, uh, with news that uh, C- Demon CEO uh, Peter Jackson announcing, uh, well, his retirement, and uh, it seems like he's going to go out in a similar fashion to uh, Paul Ruse and and appoint a successor and uh, stick around for a little bit uh, while the new person gets uh, adjusted to the role. Um, Great Viney, uh, what's your um, what's your thoughts on uh, this news? Uh, yeah, sad day for the club. Um, he, Peter Jackson's basically saved us. Um, most Demon Landers would remember all too well the position we are in when he came in in 2013, on the field, off the field. We were substandard. Um, you could argue we, uh, our very existence was under threat. Uh, Jeff Kennett at the time certainly calling for us to, uh, to either be relocated or merged. So the uh, the extent to which he's helped the club turn around and to do it in such a short amount of time um, really is extraordinary and uh, he deserves every um, bit of praise that he's uh, getting on the board, certainly. Well, Super Mercado, you, uh, you wrote a book about the Great Depression. Uh, surely um, uh, Peter Jackson uh, is part of the sequel uh, to that book and... Um yeah, what 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 are your thoughts? Well, I think he's also a, he's a big part of the the last ten years, but a good part of the last ten years, as opposed to a lot of the other uh, stuff in there that was was less successful. I, I think it really goes without saying that his his reign has been an unqualified success uh, as CEO. We've probably got more out of him than we expected. I think it was a a one year deal that's going to end up stretching to about six by the time he was finished. So. I think we've probably given him that environment as well that he's enjoying working in, um, and I think he's brought a lot to the club. So he'll really go down as a, um, you know, someone who helped us drag us right up from the bottom, um, and in conjunction with your Glenn Bartlett's, your board members, because um, let's not forget when he came in after that, that's when we had the Jeff Kennett trying to get a trying to get a run as the president. Uh, we had the potential board <laughs> challenge by the group that was going to put on sausage sizzles for the kids as their number one uh, policy pledge. Uh, and I think without knowing the in-depth workings of the club that PJ, I talk like we're best friends, PJ and I, uh, pr- probably had a lot to do with the Glenn Bartlett, getting him in and getting that board together and really strengthening the club uh, from the ground up. So yeah, it's look, it's unfortunate, 
but I think we we all knew this this day was coming eventually. Who, who would you like to see, or what type of um, replacement uh, would you guys like to um, to see uh, take over? Uh, do you want someone with more of a business background, someone more football, or somewhere a happy medium, someone who's been involved in uh, sports administration? Uh, Grapeviney. Uh, well, I thought there were calls for Paul McNamee, perhaps, but um, I don't know about that suggestion. Look, you want someone who's as good as Jackson, basically. Uh, he seemed to have a very good handle on um, the football side of things. Obviously, had the experience at Essendon, um, but he's been superb off-field as well uh, in terms of sponsorship, particularly, and we've seen that this yeah. year. So uh, he's got um, whoever does replace him has got very big shoes to fill. I don't know who it's going to no. be. I haven't seen no any names suggested yet. <laughs> what was that, uh, Super no. Mercado? No whiteboards. No video <laughs> footage of writing on whiteboards. That should be the number one prerequisite well, in the recruitment process. I think what's also been good about him, he, he's obviously worked very hard from on the business side of things, turning us around football department and business-wise. But I think the best thing about it is you didn't really see him. He He didn't try and get his mug on TV and any chance he could get. He he worked very much in the shadows uh, in a good way um, and, you know, wasn't trying to get out there and trying to, you know, maybe he did brawl with an iron fist, but you didn't know that, you didn't see that. It didn't, you know, there was no controversy surrounding him at any point. So uh, I think that's sort of what we want going forward. Yeah, I think it's a case of being seen when you need to be seen Yep, uh, and not sticking your nose in where it's not wanted, sticking your nose into the business of other clubs, which can often happen, probably more with presidents and CEOs. Um, but, yeah, it's, hard, it's sort of hard to say. You, you could – there's been a few non-football people who have flamed out in CEO roles recently, uh, but that's not to say that every non-football person is going to do that because, obviously, you also want to get someone who's successful if you're going to get someone who's been in football before. You don't just want someone who, who ticks that off on their resume and wasn't a success where they were before. So you're already working with a small pool. So odds are you're probably going to end up with someone coming from the outside. Yeah. One of the other things that I really liked about his tenure there is uh, prior to him coming, that we sort of had a bit of a history of uh, everything that happened was sort of leaked uh, into the media. Um, and when he came in, you didn't get anything um, well, not a lot, coming from the media before sort of you heard it from the club and occasionally it's impossible, you know, to stop those things. But I think he, I, I'm attributing a lot of that to uh, to him being there. Yeah, that, I mean, that comes with unity, doesn't it? Yeah. If you have a, a board or administration that's divided, that's when you get people leaking against each other. Um, when you've got unity, everyone's on the same page um, and no one feels the need to to go to the media and run off and complain. Yeah, yep, hundred percent agree. Uh, so the the deal it seems it says uh, on the on the official site. Uh, it said that uh, the Melbourne Football Club board has been working with Peter Jackson for some time to ensure a smooth succession in the role of CEO. To achieve this, Peter has committed uh, to a handover model where he will remain at the club to work with the CEO elected uh, to oversee a successful transition to the role and that he will he's agreed to remain with the cl- at the club into uh, 2019. Um, yeah, so quite happy with that. Um, 
Yeah. Sad to see him go. Uh, you know, he's done a lot for the club. A lot of people on Demoland are asking for statues to be erected. Um, <laughs> so we have to find <laughs> a but good they spot They will for never that. get the quality of his bald head right <laughs> if they do a statue. It is the, and I know I've gone on about this at length, even I think it's in the book, the greatest bald head you will ever see in your life. <laughs> like, should I lose my hair? That is what I aspire to. Well, perhaps... If you've never thought about it, go back. Google Peter Jackson and look at all the photos of his head, and come back and tell me it's not the best bald head you've ever seen. Well, I'm I'm on the I'm on the uh, official side at the moment, and there's a picture of him smiling uh, in this story. But right next to that, there's a couple of advertisements, uh, and Nathan Jones is there. And I, I must say, I think uh, Nathan Jones has a pretty good bald nut. That's a good head. <laughs> it's a good head, but it's it lacks the shine that you'll see on Peter Jackson's head. Well, the, uh, there was one night they interviewed him when we played in Darwin, and it was it was like he'd been put in one of those uh, bowling ball shining machines. It was magnificent. <laughs> Must be the humidity <laughs> bringing out the best in that. Um, yep, sa- sa- sad to see him go. Um, but uh, thank you, well, just officially from uh, all of us at Demonland, thank you, uh, Peter Jackson. And look, it'd be lovely if we can get him a, a premiership, um, you know, real nice bookend to his tenure there. Um, be nice if he can come on the Demon Lad podcast before he finishes up his tenure. Uh, Peter, um, yeah, please. <laughs> or maybe after he can tip the bucket. Yeah. Lake. Yep, Peter, you're you're welcome to come on. Uh, if anyone has uh, contact information for uh, Peter Jackson, uh, send it my way. Um, if you would like to uh, join us tonight uh, to talk about either Peter or or the game or the upcoming games, anything you want, zero three nine zero one six three triple six. That's zero three nine zero one six three triple six. Or try us on Skype, Demonland Thirty One. Search for it. We'll bring you on um, as soon as we can. Uh, fellas, uh, another victory at our um, at our fortress. Um, I know Super Mercado, you you have no love really for for that ground, but um, I do now. You do now. It, it's and I, I might just play something. I had something queued up on um, on on YouTube. Uh, this is Jonesy uh, post match. Uh, let's just have a listen to what he had to say. Jonesy, a great win, no longer a hoodoo here. It's a great spot for the Dees to play. Uh, I reckon we love playing here now, to be honest. I think it suits the style of game that we play, and particularly, you know, you get a lot of reward for um, the style of game we play at this ground. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was funny listening to that, um, particularly outside the criticism of that. But we're on a bit of a roll here now and actually enjoy playing here. So um, it's good to get a couple of results two weeks in a row and um, on to the next one now. So, so Jonesy um, acknowledges that our game plan suits uh, Eddie Had. Um, he didn't quite come out and, and mention uh, the MCG not suiting it, but uh, we talked about it last last week on the podcast, uh, Grapeviney. Um, uh, well, just as the just as the club is, uh, you know, finally warming to Eddie Had, I've had enough of that stadium. It is an absolute dump for a whole host of reasons. All right, go, and, go for it. And Sunday uh, brought them all out together. Large swathes of reserve seats for members who either didn't turn up or don't exist. I suspect it's the latter. Um, uh, many seats up on the uh, top level where you can't see the scoreboard because the beams from the roof are in the way. Uh, the food is more expensive than the G. 
the hot chips come in an open tray, which means they get cold within a minute. And worst of all, and I think this is the first time I've experienced this uh, at a home and away match, um, the Saints were playing music after each goal on the weekend. Um, Are our attention spans that short that we need to be quote-unquote entertained in the 30 seconds that it takes to get the ball back to the centre? It's absolutely criminal what they did on Sunday. It doesn't build the atmosphere. It kills it, drowning out the crowd noise, and it should be banished from the game. And I do know there are St Kilda fans in my circle that uh, are very scathing of that as well and quite vocal back to the club about how much they hate it. Uh, it's, it's AFLX style, isn't it? Soon you'll have flashing goalposts and smoke and flamethrowers yeah. well, uh, after each I for- goal. I forgot that they were doing it at first. So when they kicked that first goal, it was like, Jesus, what's going on? It was a, the roof was opening above my head or something. <laughs> The people around me weren't impressed, that's for sure, nor was I. Now, does winning not uh, sort of um, make all of uh, all that uh, hell that you have to put up with that Eddie had uh, sort of uh, drift away? Um, Well, I must say, I've quite quite come to it now. Sorry, what was that, Super Mercado? Sorry, I was going to say, I I personally have probably come around to it more recently um, Probably just because I like the roof being closed. I don't know why. I, I can't explain why I've got that particular fetish for the roof being closed. Um, and it's also a lot easier for me to get to now than the MCG. But uh, probably winning there is what really, really brings it home. That's the most important thing. Well, we can't get too used to uh, that ground because I, I believe we only play one more time there. So um, against the Bulldogs uh, in a couple of weeks. But uh, that'll be it. So we've got to start... Uh, you know, adjusting to to the to the larger surfaces of uh, the MCG where we play the majority of our games. Um, now, can I make a suggestion? Can we can we, as the home team, do we have a choice of uh, how big the ground is? <laughs> can we bring the seats in a bit closer? Cones, yeah. traffic cones in. <laughs> well, I noticed they. I, I was watching the Geelong game on Friday night and they mentioned something that the Geelong ground is 21 metres shorter in the width than the MCG. Could that be true? Does yeah, that mean we're going to dominate it? it's also the longest ground. That's the longest ground around that. Might, might, uh, so it's longer out. but narrower. Much yeah. narrower. That's... that's um, Yep, that's a huge difference. But yeah, uh, as you said, Supercarder, maybe we will dominate when we do play Geelong later in the year. Um, but uh, let's not get too ahead of ourselves just yet. Let's talk about um, about the game. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I think we died in the ass a little bit at the end, but that could be due to um, the short breaks we've we've been subjected to because of the Anzac Day uh, fixture. Um, but the three quarters before that were uh, pretty impressive, and um, you know we had a number of uh, a number of players that were were really good. Uh, I'll start with uh, Angus Brayshaw, um, uh, Super Mercado. Uh, what, what did you think of uh, Gus? Yeah, that was great. That was clearly his best game, uh, probably since his rookie season, um, and just getting some continuity back in his um, career, I think, has been really important for him. Getting a few games in a row, getting to to warm into things. Um, he looks much more comfortable than he has recently. Obviously, spent a lot more time in the middle, 
um, and really showed what an impact player he could be. It was uh, He also had that dubious bounce that didn't come back. But other than that, um, you probably don't expect 100% disposal efficiency from him. So you can wear a couple of loose ones every game. Um, but he looked really comfortable in traffic. Uh, he, he was great positioning. Uh, and I think it was an excellent, excellent uh, trial for the rest of the season. I thought there were a few times where him and Maxi worked beautifully in the middle, a few palm down straight to him and, you know, a quick kick out of uh, out of the centre. I thought he was great. Uh, great Viney. Um, what do you think of Gus? Yeah, look, that's where he belongs, obviously. The last two weeks he's been superb in the middle. It's so good to see him getting the ball and driving it out um, and forward. Uh, that bounce was strange, wasn't it? I, was, I presume it's something to do with the surface, not with his bouncing technique, because it happened... On another occasion, I think during the game, didn't it? Or well, the you ball think just uh, yeah. concrete would uh, <laughs> promote the bouncing of a football? <laughs> yeah, but uh, good for him. It's so good to see him uh, back playing uh, his best footy. Um, Super Mercado said, you know, back to really what we saw in his uh, in his debut year, which was um, really good. Uh, another uh, his his form coincided. I'll just jump on our show notes just a, a tiny bit uh, to an article that appeared in the the Herald Sun, um, and I'm not surprised that the media sort of pull out these articles just after he has a um, uh, has a great game. But uh, you know the article was talking about uh, him putting contracts his, his his contract negotiations on hold, but the article um, did not mention. Uh, did not have any source, did not even, uh, it didn't cite a source, it didn't have a statement from Brayshaw or his manager. It just, the, what, the, the only line that actually referred to anything about contract negotiations, which the clickbait title of the uh, article um, alluded to, said, the, demons has, ha, the demon, meaning Brayshaw, has made clear he wants to stay at Melbourne, but he's likely to hold off on signing a new deal for at least another month after starting the year in the VFL team. I mean, that's just clickbait at its uh, finest. Yeah. It's making a story out of nothing. It's, it's something that really shits me about the media at the moment. Um, but running a website, uh, I, I realise the value in clickbait. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, so is the suggestion there effectively that he's not going to sign a contract now because he thinks that in a month's time his price will have gone up because he will have played... Four more good games. I'm not really sure that's how football contracts work. It's it's must be more complicated than that. That he's not saying he's not pushing back a contract over the table now, and waiting for the one to come in a month and go. Oh, that I like that price better, and then sign that. There's got to be more complication to it than that. Well, it it, it goes both ways, doesn't it? Because Melbourne would also be sort of careful given. Um, given his history, you know, of uh, concussions and all that. So it sort of goes both ways. They wouldn't want to sign him up to a huge deal now and, you know, he could get uh, could get injured or, or, any, or, or, you know, stuff like that. But it, it works both ways and it's not as simple as, as saying either of those two things. So No, but with, he has come from a position cap. where he had a very ordinary year last year because of the injuries. So um, his value is at a low base at the moment. And uh, he probably thinks with a good season under his belt, it's not that the, the offer's going to be hugely different, but um, I think he'd rather put some good footy under his belt and then he's, he is in a stronger uh, position to negotiate with the club. But it's, um, 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, sneaky of them to not mention the fact that I think twice in the past two weeks he's virtually said that he wants to he wants to stay on at Melbourne and there's no indication that he wants to go anywhere else. Uh, it is absolutely fake news. Yeah, and I think Tom if... Tom Norris reported it uh, two weeks ago, didn't he? The same sort of thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, and look, it's not like a Mitch McGovern situation. Um, where he's probably got suitors coming at him from all, all corners. Um, and as you said, Grapeviney, he has stated on uh, on a podcast, I think it's the AFL podcast that he's on, afl.com.au. Um, yeah, I think he wants to remain a D and, you know, he, he, I've got no problem uh, with him with them, with them, him and the D sort of waiting a, a couple of weeks till they uh, sign something. Yep. Probably the, the benefit being that his brother plays about as far away as you can get. So surely no one is uh, – the, the bond is not close enough that anyone's going to sign up for six-hour, eight-hour round trips every two weeks just to play with their brother, whereas if his brother played in Sydney perhaps or for another Victorian team, you'd probably be more worried uh, about him potentially um, yep. having a look at that. Yeah, his family's here, and it's a large family. And yes, the two brothers are over in WA, but there's a whole swag of Brayshaws um, in the southern suburbs, I believe. So um, yeah, yeah, but I think that's a bit overplayed, or that isn't it. Having said that, I, I I read an article this week that his parents actually didn't go see him play at uh, Eddie Had the other day. They went to the MCG and watched his brother play. Um, Ooh. Maybe there's a split in the family. <laughs> well, I think they, they come over at three quarter time. They wouldn't have missed anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, you can understand that though. His folks, you know, his younger brother playing probably. You know, they don't play many games in Melbourne, so I can understand them going to watch him play. Um, yeah, got no problem with that. Um, Clayton Oliver, the handball king. Um, how good is this guy? Uh, I, I'm not concerned. Are you guys concerned about over handballing? Um, no. <laughs> no, no, not when you're that good at it. Because the commentators made they every time he went near the ball, they sort of made a little bit of a big deal out of it uh, that he's handballing. But he's just such a great extractor of the ball, and I think at times he's too quick for our um, uh, for our his own teammates. Um, he did a couple of really classy, sneaky things, and they just weren't ready for it. Uh, but that'll come with time, I guess. And this is the stupid thing about AFL stats, and I wrote about this on the blog this week, that just looking at it and saying he had 28 handballs, that's too many, or is that too many, is just idiotic without looking at the handballs and looking what they did. Mm-hmm. The, there could be other players. We could have had 28 total handballs amongst all the other players that were wasted. And there was probably a couple of Oliver ones as well, working in that tight confines. You're not going to hit them all. But it's playing to his strengths. And we have seen when he gets out in the clear to kick as well, he actually is a good kick, um, good decision maker with the kicking. So it's not like he's just doing it because he can't kick. Uh, so I think when you you know look at it closer rather than just looking at the stats... Um, absolutely no problem whatsoever. There's a there's an article up on Fox Sports tonight uh, about his handballs, and there's a an animated GIF of the one-handed pickup and yeah. quick dish off. And it's yeah, if if anyone thinks that was a waste, they need their head read. 
Yeah, I posted that on Facebook, uh, not the GIF, but just the vision of it, and that was just superb, that, that pick-up, one-handed pick-up, straight with the other hand out is just beautiful to watch. Almost without looking. Yeah. Like it, he, sort of, he knows Brayshaw's there, but he doesn't yeah. have to look for it to be there. Yeah, he just knows. It's instinct. That can't be taught. That is um, that is pure just football. You're born born with that. You're either born with it or, or, or you don't have it at all. It should be celebrated. We keep, you know, waffling on about congestion and, you know, the game not being open enough. He's there cracking packs to pieces with the handball. So rather than trying to get a story out of him about handballing too much, he should be getting an award for you know, bringing the ball into the clear. Well, there was a stat that one of the AFL uh, sites put up today. Um, perhaps you saw it. I'm just scrolling through my uh, timeline here on Facebook. Yeah, here it is. Uh, he has had six games with 20-plus contested possessions in his first 42 career matches. Okay, so six 20-plus contested possessions in 42 games. Um, 19 players um, have have done that in in one game. Uh, Judd and Fife have done have had uh, two games with with 20-plus uh, contested possessions in that time. Um, no one with and Cripps as well is up there with with um, with Clary. He's had uh, five games with twenty plus contested possessions. So Oliver in the clear lead there with some classy names behind him. Um, it's pretty impressive. Kids only just twenty, I believe. Nothing to worry about. There. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give him a ten year contract. Sign him up. Um, yeah, uh, Grape Viney, uh, I know you're a lover of uh, Clary. Uh, yep. <laughs> he's good He's good around goals, isn't he, too? Kicked um, a beauty, yeah. Uh, kicked a nice one again on the weekend, and he's kicked quite a few where he really hasn't had a lot of time. Yeah, off one and he step just, almost. Uh, he just seems to nail them every time, so um, he's just only going to get better and better. So uh, definitely not fussed about the handballs, that's for sure. And- and he's locked away under contract till 2021, so I'm assuming he's on a reasonable wicket, but no matter how good it gets in the next couple of years, we should be somewhat insulated uh, against having to yeah, pay and everyone else. If you else. look at uh, social media, Clayton's... There's a few young guys who obviously love playing together. Um, so he and Petraka and Brayshaw um, and Jack and Jesse, to some extent all regularly tag each other in their pictures and post photos of them celebrating together. So um, uh, that also bodes well for, um, you know, for keeping him at the D's in the future. Yeah, there was a beautiful photo that I think they all posted the other day of uh, it was Petraka, Oliver, Hogan celebrating, um, which was yep. just a, a – f- I'm getting it printed at, you know, huge size and getting it framed and – Putting it in my bedroom somewhere because it's is that a... just for the funny, funny face that Petraka does in the background while he appears to be tweaking his nipples? <laughs> He's always got a funny face on uh, <laughs> track. Um, the, uh, we'll just go back to Brayshaw and track. There, there was a thread that I thought a bit of a ridiculous thread on Demonland. Um, oh, did I have it on our list? Uh, I don't think I did. That comparison, trying to compare um, uh, Petraka and uh, Brayshaw and. 
and which one's the more well-rounded footballer, Graveviney? What was the thread? Do you recall? Yes, well, it was that. It's who's the more rounded player? Yeah, and there's a number of people pointed out in the thread uh, that they've got they're quite different players. So why would you compare them and they actually complement each other? So yeah. we're lucky to have them both, basically, because they're totally different players. Can't we just be happy with having both of them without having to try and choose one child over the other? Like <laughs> That's the thing. In football, everyone always wants to have a win. It's like trades and drafts. <laughs> like, you know, just because one team drafts someone at one and one team drafts someone at two, they can both be happy. But that's not the way we talk about it. Everyone's always got to be a winner and a loser. Yeah. Well, that's the reason uh, Demon Land ex- exists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I guess in this case of this draft, we were the winners and St Kilda were the losers. Yeah, I mean, um, look, he's had a horror run. Uh, he's got his own health problems, but I, we definitely came up, even without those, I think we've come out the winner on that one. And even if you judge it in 10 years' time, I think we'll still have come out the winner on that one. So, uh, Shout-outs to, to Destroy All. Mm-hmm. who uh, nicknamed Paddy on the weekend the Incredible Bulk, <laughs> which I thought was uh, uh, harsh but fair. So um, I liked that one. That's a good one. That was a good one. Um, uh, I will mention the next player, uh, Gorney. Just, you know, he's fa- he's fantastic. I'll, I'll go out and say if he continues playing like this for the rest of the year, I've got no doubt he'll be All-Australian. A few weeks ago, everyone was talking about all the Ruckman and, you know, there's so many great Ruckman around, but I think he's clear ahead of the pack of that that group of Ruckman um, that were were being bandied around. um, Well, the age had him. He was one of the top nine Ruckman in the league, um, which, uh, you know, is an exclusive club of only 50% of the league's Ruckman. So... (laughs) Um, he can win all Australian or the Brownlow, but nothing will top that incredible accolade uh, bestowed upon him by our friends at Fairfax. And I, I also, I also, and I'll go out on a limb and say, if we win, uh, uh, you know, fourteen plus games this year, um, I think he might be close to winning a Brownlow. Um, early days, I know, but uh, I, I think he'll he'll get he would feature in votes most weeks when we win um the way he's playing at the moment uh, he's just i think he, he's up there he's up there on the leaderboards of the coaches yep um, i was going to mention that coaches he's, votes and yeah he's, and the, the papers as well yeah and he does more than just your traditional ruckman thing as well and i think that's where umpires would see that where he floats back into defense yep, and taking marks into takes defense. a mark goes forward obviously had some problems with the kicking as, he's kicked a couple of goals this year though Exactly, but he just gives that extra target as well. There's also times where he's gone down there and he hasn't marked it, but just his mere presence has caused enough chaos in the opposition defence to allow somebody else in. Um, So I think having that, being able to use him almost as an extra defender and an extra forward, um, one, is puts his value through the roof as a player, um, and two, is really noticeable for, for umpires and people giving out votes and awards. Yeah, and I think uh, having T-Mac back in the team um, has allowed him to sort of go forward a little bit while T-Mac's gone up the ground. So it's, yeah, I'm very happy with the situation at the moment uh, in terms of in terms of uh, Gorney. Um, Jesse, Jesse Hogan, um, 
We'll talk about the incident in a second, but let's talk about his game first. He's still racking up a lot of possessions, you know, playing well up the field, gets quality possessions when he gets it. Um, I'm wrapped with uh, the year he's having so far. Well, he's getting <clears throat> he's getting midfield numbers uh, in terms of the ball, but still kicking, uh, you know, two and a half, three goals a game, I think he's averaging. So on track to kick 50 goals. And if he's getting 25 touches a game, then that's uh, that's extraordinary. He generally uses the ball really well. So, um, yeah, is he the next Nick Rewalt in terms of having that huge tank and just being able to do a, an absolute mountain of work, um, which Rewalt was renowned for? And now that he's got a target to aim at, not just McDonald, but even Gorn floating through there, He's always been useful going up the ground, but if you look at the Richmond game, for instance, when he went up the ground yeah, to get the, the ball, there was no Hogan he had no there. one to kick yeah. it to, and when he stayed forward, unless we won it out of the centre, we couldn't get the ball to him because there wasn't that link player. Uh, so I think at the then it was kind of a bit, it was a bit iffy. He was good numbers, he was playing well, but it didn't really suit us because we just lacked that link player. But now that you got McDonald in there as well, um, I think it's a good combination between the two of them. Um, I read somewhere that I think he's one of seven maybe players this year who have kicked a goal in every game. So um, yeah, that's you know that's what he's there for, and he's getting a lot of possessions and he's still kicking goals, as you said, great Viney. So that's what we want out of him. Um, let's talk about the incident um, that the um, certainly the media made a mountain out of, and even once we had footage later on that sort of exonerated him um you know no one i think except bt sort of came forward and said they were wrong i must admit the first time i saw the the footage of it i i i must need a new prescription but i i just saw all i saw was really the just the sort of the bump the hip and shoulder i thought jesse just i thought he initially just sort of flew back uh, and was faking it, but then when on closer inspection, I could see that he was he copped one in the throat, which uh, certainly wouldn't tickle. Um, I thought the media was very harsh in the wording of their thing, uh, everything that they said about it, taking a dive, and no one sort of tr- tracked it back uh, later on. Usual clickbait. Again, the the old clickbait. But I think it went further than being clickbait. I, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit uh, nasty. I don't think it was even clickbait. Well, I think this was the reverse of the Oliver one in Perth in that repeated viewings actually helped him. Yes. Because um, obviously once, yeah, once you saw it, um, certainly where I was, I had my back. Hogan had his back to me. So I thought when I saw it, I thought, oh, my God. We're we're on to we're on to something here. We're never going to hear the end of this. But yeah, when you actually yeah. do see that, especially the goal line angle, yeah. um, where he obviously was was stunned by someone, you know, jamming a hand into his windpipe, um, there's certainly no no question there. Um, yeah, the, the other free, clue was that the was umpire that awarded the free kick, um, yeah, was right on the scene and right and facing it. So and not um, only said... there was no sort of question of him being fooled by Hogan. He yeah, saw the whole thing very clearly. He he not only said, you know, you hopped him in the throat, he actually uh, motioned with his hand up to his throat, choking himself, saying that's what you did. And 
I can understand people just seeing that footage once might think that he, he took a dive backwards. But the commentators, and I'll, I'll name them, uh, Lloyd and and Bartell and Damien Barrett on one of the AFL um, shows, the online shows that they've got, had the footage playing for them, saw it multiple times and still were accusing him of diving. And uh, even Sorry, are you telling me that Matthew Lloyd was getting high and mighty about someone taking a dive? He did. He even Can admitted... Can we pull out the footage well, of that Alistair Nicholson incident? Well, he even admitted that he would dive uh, and he's sort of admitted that he's a bit ashamed of that. Um but even re- watching the repeat viewing, and they didn't have that behind the footage, behind the golf footage at the time. But you could clearly see that even in if you watched it multiple times, that he was uh, hit. Uh, so I don't know what they've got against Jesse, but um, no one was talking about uh, at the time that uh, Carlisle should have anything to answer for. They were focusing on uh, blaming the victim, but. You know what? We're, we've got to get used to that because it happens all the time. And he diplomatically decided to miss the goal, <laughs> just so just so it didn't rub it into St Kilda. What do you think of that? Um, taking, I can understand from the angle, a tight angle, not going back for a drop punt and and doing the uh, that kick. Um, but what do you think about it? almost? Well, it wasn't straight in front, but it was uh, it's pretty close to it. What do you what do you Drop well, by the time he ran around, it was pretty much straight in front. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably not one of the worst reset shots of, uh, of or worst shots from that distance that I've ever seen. The fact that it only even snuck in for a point. <laughs> it was uh, pretty but, bad. you know, his, his kicking's been good this year. Didn't cost us the game. No big drama. Move on. Uh, Gray Viney, should he have had a drop punt? I don't mind from that position doing the snap. He just, the execution was terrible, obviously. But um, as Sue Mercado said, his goal king's actually been pretty good this year. Uh, his run up um, on the, you know, on the normal drop punt is a lot more uh, fluid, the action. And uh, he's, on, he's kicked 17 8 for the year. So they're very good numbers. Um, Clint Biscuit in the chat room said he he loved that uh, Mahoney and or Marnie, sorry Mahoney, I always say that when I see the name written. Marnie and Goodwin uh, came out and defended Hogan. I, I didn't did I didn't see Josh Marnie. I'm sure he probably did, but can't recall seeing that. But I did see Goodwin today uh, come out and defend it. But uh, there were a lot of people on Demerland thinking that the club should have come out a lot earlier and and sort of defended it. Uh, what do you think about the club sort of coming into bat? Should they get on the front foot and, you know, the coach coming out and batting for the, the player in that case or just ignore it? No, I don't, I don't think that they needed to do any more than they did. It died away quickly and it was done. Jesse tweeted about it saying goalpost footage is in go and have a look at the goalpost footage. So, no, why keep the story alive? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Tackle it as it comes, but no need to you know, get to total siege mentality at this stage of the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if anyone would like to join us on the podcast, ask a question or just give your take on anything we've talked about tonight, uh, 03-9016-3666. And as I was saying that, someone is calling in. Good evening. Welcome to the Demonland Podcast. Uh, welcome to the Demonland Podcast. Who am I talking to? It's Chris. Uh, it's Chris. Okay. G'day. How are you going? 
Yeah, pretty good, yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Jordan Lewis. Okay, go for it. Uh... I, I, um, a couple of, couple of weeks ago, he had an absolute shocker making terrible decisions. And uh, I think this weekend he did a little bit better, but I'm wondering how far away we are before Lewis is not in our best 22. Super Mercado, you want to uh, tackle that one? Well, I've, I've been on record this year that I'm not a massive Lewis fan. I, I agree that I thought he was a lot better on the weekend, uh, though you, of course, have to adjust for the quality of the opposition. Uh, probably the question is who would replace him if we got rid of him now. Um, I tend to think he and Vince, I know Vince is out of contract at the end of this year. I would have thought that he would pull up stumps at the end of this year. Lewis has got one more year. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're at this stage, seven rounds into the second year, that we're going to get right through the third year. Um, but it's just a, a matter of not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. If we've got someone to replace him, are we comfortable with a, a Wagner going down there? Are we comfortable with Salem being down there? If we are, then I think we we should start to look at moving on. It's it's almost like on a, a lesser scale, Wiedemann versus Pedersen. Um, at the moment, I would prefer Pedersen on a just a footballing um, rate for reasons, but you've got to look at the future. Uh, so I, I agree. Look, I think Lewis and Vince should both go at the end of this year. Um, but just for where we are right now, uh, I just wonder if we've got someone who's going to going to bring that same experience and hopefully that, uh, you know, calm to the back line that we need. Great find. Well, if you think about it, if, if Salem had been fit, um, it would have been an interesting discussion at the selection table because the the two weeks prior he was he was terrible and and his behaviour and his leadership leadership in inverted commas on the field was was woeful as well and so I think you got to get games into into guys who are going to be the future of the club rather than a bloke who's showboating on three sixty every every week. Uh, I, I think that's unfair criticism. That's very good publicity for the club sponsors, which are plastered all over Lewis's shirt and not particularly um, professionally sewn on. It seems it looks like it's uh, <laughs> uh, it looks like it's a bit of a home job. But uh, I think Super Mercado's right. As in, who have you got that's going to replace those two players? Salem presumably will come back this week. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, um, Vince or Lewis that makes way for him. So, um, yeah, I, I, I still see them as part of the best 22, mainly because I don't think we've got um, uh, certain replacements for them at this stage. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 think I also... agree. I don't think I don't think he's out yet, but I think I think uh, Goody's got to put him on notice that that. What we got him for was leadership and some good decision-making skills down back, and we can't have him running hot and cold when we could be putting games into other people later on in the season, depending on how well we go. Yeah, I think we just got to get through these next two weeks. Hopefully, within the next two weeks, get a, get ourselves a bit of a foothold in the eight, uh, and then potentially start to look at what we can what we can do. Give people enough time to uh, you know really fit into the team as well. Um, but I think it's so crucial that we win these next two, considering our run home, 
um, that I would probably leave both of them in the side for now. But I think, yeah, definitely in the background, you would very much hope that they were looking at uh, what what the future is um, to replace both Lewis and Viney. Yeah, well, we've definitely got to win these next two, that's for sure. Oh, yep. absolutely. Uh, anything else uh, you want to contribute, Chris? Um, not tonight, guys. I'll definitely uh, call in again. Uh, loving the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate the call. We love hearing from other Demon Landers. Um, yeah, uh, thank you very much uh, for, the, for the call, uh, Chris. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. Just a note on Vince. I was thinking about this today. Um, there's a, a fair bit of criticism around... Uh, on him these days and look he's not the player he once was but hasn't he been amazing for this club in the time that uh, that he's since he's come over um he's really more than anyone been the bridge uh, on field between the dark years um and these lighter years and although his form you know has dropped off which you'd expect from a player uh, getting on um, he's been a super, super player for the Melbourne Football Club. Um, that uh, you know, won a uh, BNF and played a lot of good games for the Demons. And he, of course, is now our most reported player in the history of the club. He's recently <laughs> he, uh, pushed past Rod Grinter to uh, I think it's twelve, twelve reports in his time now. But that that includes uh, his time with Hawthorne, though, doesn't it? No, this is Vince. Oh, sorry, Vince. Vince. I'm talking about. And does so, that not uh, include? No, no, this is entirely at Melbourne. So he's been reported 12 wow. times. He's got, he's got a bit to catch up on Grinter, though. He's been reported 12 times for four, four games out, and Grinter is 11 for 31 games out. <laughs> yeah, but they don't, give, they don't give the type of penalties anymore than uh, yeah. that they Seasonally used to. adjusted. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Bernie's, a lot of Bernie's ones have been sort of piss-weak things like umpire contact and wrestling and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He plays his 100th game for the club later in the year as well, so... Um, father-son, here we come. Father-son, here we come <laughs> down the track. I think he got married earlier this year, so stand by. Yes. Yeah, we've certainly got uh, more than, you know, more than we, um, you know, bargained for from pick 23, a pick 23 swap, which, of course, was Sylvia, the Sylvia compensation selection, yep. so we're probably uh, lucky to get that. Um, so if we get 100 games, I mean, we've already had good value out of Vince, but we get to 100 games, we can absolutely say that's been a, a, a roaring success of a trade. Who, who did Adelaide pick up with that pick? Do you, am I stretching your, your uh, football knowledge with that one? Yeah, because it comes from a club that's not Melbourne. So <laughs> yes, okay. I'll get back. I'll get back to you. <laughs> yes, I'd like to know. Um, all right, so um, that was... Um, Yep, thank you for the call. If anyone else wants to call uh, 03 uh, 90163666 or try and Skype us uh, Demonland31, we've also got a chat room if you are listening uh, to this live at the moment. We've got uh, over 100 listeners live at the moment. So um, uh, we've got a chat room at demonland.com slash podcast. Uh, if you're signed up at Demonland, you can get in there, chat, and you can ask a question. That way we sort of peruse the uh, chat room and pull out some uh, questions. And Cliff Biscuit has just said he thinks it was Matt Crouch. Um, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. It was Matt Crouch. Well, there you go. Um, and I know, looking back to uh, one of the people who'll be listening tonight, my work colleague who's known on Twitter as 4iPig, I remember that year we were both extraordinarily keen on getting Matt Crouch. Um, 
and we were very disappointed when uh, when the D's didn't get him. But obviously we didn't have a, a pick for a while after that, so it would have been very lucky if he'd slipped all the way down. Um, but yeah, for I pick, he will uh, remember our office conversations about Matt Crouch. All right, well, that was one that got away. <laughs> but uh, we've had many of those. But anyway, um, you know, Vince has been, been good for us uh, too, so um, I'm not going to cry about that. Um, uh, I thought Michael Hibbert had a good game. He's sort of returning to that amazing form he had last year. Uh, he did some good things when he got the ball off half back. He sort of was evading uh, St Kilda players left, right, and centre. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was good. Uh, you guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, backline's playing really well together now. Uh, yeah. Lever, Nev back to his very best. Super Nev. So, gee. The, um, Running back with the flight of the ball and getting smashed mm-hmm. by the incredible bulk, uh, that was um, that was so gutsy from Jets. Um, especially considering his history with concussions, which was yep. steadfastly ignored by all the commentators going straight to, and fair enough, to McCartan's recent issues. Uh, but yep. Nev, oh, for four or five years ago, Nev was you know in the position of being one hit away from having to retire. Um, yep. So I'm not sure if, you know, the, the few years without a concussion gives you a bit in the bank. Um, but certainly when he had that collision, I thought, God, that, you know, I hope he's not seriously hurt. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. Uh, good evening. Welcome to the Demon Land podcast. Uh, who am I talking to? Oh, how good evening there, um, Demon Land fellow Demon Landers. Hello. Uh, don't make me angry. All right. Um, what would you yes. like to talk about tonight? Uh, don't make me angry. Oh, I was very angry about a few weeks ago after we lost to Richmond, and I thought oh, I didn't want everything to be true about our um, off-field woes about you know the stupid camp and stuff like that. But the last two weeks, um, I've become a lot more happier. Um, it's the, the team has definitely didn't make me angry in the last two weeks. <laughs> Well, that, that's what winning sort of does. Uh, if it just wait, uh, we could have a bad loss and <laughs> you'll be back to, back to that, your angry self. Um, what, what, in, what in particular did, did not, uh, well, made you happy about us uh, rather than being angry? Oh, just um, we um, disposed of uh, two very ordinary sides, which we haven't been able to do the last few years. You know, whenever we come against the ordinary sides, we... Um, we stoop down to their level and quite often get beaten. So, um, you know, we beat, uh, you know, Essendon and St Kilda, who are two absolute rabbles. And um, this conversation, oh, hopefully it finally stops where they keep on comparing Melbourne and St Kilda together as if they're um, on the same uh, path. But I reckon Saints, this is their rock bottom. They actually didn't hit, haven't hit rock bottom yet until this year. Yeah, I think the Saints uh, losing um, Rewalt and Montagna certainly hasn't helped them. We know what it's like to sort of lose a lot of experience at once and uh, it's sort of set us back almost a decade, <laughs> which uh, you've documented, uh, Super Mercado. Uh, but St Kilda, they, I don't think they can be uttered, uh, compared to us uh, being uttered in the same breath at the moment. So I think we're on a completely different trajectory. Tra- trajectory uh, than that they are so mm. uh, and I think where we're going right now where we didn't for so many years is we have got players that you could legitimately see 
as being called stars. Now, the back end is probably still a bit ropey in places, um, but your, your Olivers, Hogans, Gorns, um, especially, that's what we didn't have even 2010, 11, when we were all right. Um, we just lacked that star player. And I think if you look at St Kilda now, they've got a few good players, a lot of sort of anonymous, generic players, but they've just lost that, the star power of having that those players you just know who are going to be good week in, week out. Um, so oh. I, I think they've got probably got a couple of years of being towards the bottom uh, in their future. Amazing what confidence does, uh, um, isn't it? Because... I've watched St Kilda a few times this year and their scoring and goal-kicking has been a real issue. But the times that I've seen them, it seemed to be because they weren't getting the ball in good spots in forward 50. So they were kicking from either a long way out or on an angle or both. They'd missed some absolute sitters against us. Um, I mean, that happens every game, once or twice. But they would have had half a dozen shots from, you know... Uh, straight in front, 30 out, and they absolutely blew them every time. Um, so it's incredible, uh, yeah, incredible how your confidence can take yeah. you hit that way. Confidence is another doubt, side doubt yourself, psychologically yeah. tortured. Confidence is a wonderful thing. Don't make me angry. Is there anything else uh, you want to point out uh, about the game or anything else? Oh, um, I just got a couple of, just one thing that did make me angry was after the. Um, after the St Kilda game where we outplayed them for 98% of the game, and when the game was all over, you know, we had that 51-point lead, there were three minutes left, and just like the week before, when we had Essendon's 48, you know, points up, and uh, it was three minutes to go, and then all of a sudden, Essendon and St Kilda did the same thing. All of a sudden, they started running hard just for those few minutes just to get the last few goals. And um, and then I go on the, uh, you know, the post-game thread on the, on the Idema land, and the first two pages is everybody's, instead of going about how well we played, almost every single post was, oh, oh those two goals we let St. Kilda kick in the end, we can't finish sides off. And that was all you read for the first two pages. Don't you, did you read the, um, the post, uh, post-game thread? And the first two, three pages, just about the last two minutes of the game uh, where the other team decided to run hard for the first time in the whole game, and that's all you read. Well, can, there's a, there's a like, lesson oh, in that, and that is don't read the first two pages of the post-match <laughs> discussion thread. It doesn't matter whether we've won or lost. Those first two pages are nothing but rants. <laughs> well, look, you can understand it because, you know, that's the most fre- that's the freshest thing in everyone's mind. And, look, we, percentage cost us last year, so I can understand people are venting about that. But you've also got to look at it. We've had a pretty... Um, hectic schedule uh the last couple of weeks we've we i think we've played three games in 12 days uh you can understand that uh the team's going to sort of drop off a little bit but it, it, it is i don't like us giving up those goals but i sort of can understand how it happened and i hope it doesn't bite us in the bum later in the year i think the important thing about the game on the weekend is that we didn't really stop um I think it was more of a case of the frustrating thing for me was that we had a number of opportunities to kick more goals where we had either players streaming forward or players opening forward 50 and we seemed to muck up every one of them. Um, so, <clears throat> as I say, I don't think we uh, we stopped so much as just missed out on a few opportunities to 
to perhaps um, kick a few more. And that was also with St Kilda, right? They were at least two down on the bench, possibly three, um, after after Brayshaw carved that bloke up with the uh, the bump. Um, but we have got a, a pretty woeful record over the years of taking advantage of teams that uh, lose a number of players. But he's hoping that sometime in the near future we might uh, get on a roll and you know put it really put a team away. Like I'm not suggesting we're going to win a game by a hundred because we just don't do that kind of thing. But get a run on in the last quarter and, and turn that 40-point win into an 80-point win or a 90-point win. Um, I think it's coming, but not necessarily saying it's going to come against Gold Coast or Carlton because I know Carlton gives a lot of <laughs> <They> trouble. <do. laughs> uh, but I think this year I'm hoping that there, there's going to be a time where we can do that and really just get a run on at the end of a game and just make a statement. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, anything else making you angry? Uh, don't make me angry. Oh, no, no, <laughs> uh, I think, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, at the moment, everything's um, just uh, uh, rosy, just absolutely rosy at uh, Demon Land, um, better than home life. But anyway, <laughs> that's uh, that's another conversation. And um, yeah, so let's go D's and he's pumped this Gold Coast and I think Carlton are going to beat by 80 points. We're just oh, gonna, so. If we're going to win any game by 80 points, that's the game we've got to win because Carlton are close to the most useless side in the competition with all the injuries they've got and how inexperienced they are anyway. So they anyway, just have night, a habit uh, of, of making, it tr- making it difficult for us, Carlton. The, even those two we won last year were both struggles. Uh, and, of course, the, the couple we lost late in the season, the two years before. Um, I, I'm very much hoping that you're right, and this is where we'll, we'll stomp somebody. Uh, but, yeah, they just traditionally give us, give us problems. Yeah, my uh, my Melbourne my MFCSS the Melbourne Football Supporters Syndrome is kicking in about this uh, this Carlton game. I'm really worried about it. I've got a lot of mates who are Carlton supporters, and I really hope we're not their first win of the year. That would absolutely kill me. Uh, How about their snazzy new away uniform? The, the grey number, which has been described as a pajama grey with <laughs> um, denim pockets, I believe, on the back of the shorts. <laughs> well, D, uh, uh, Super Mercado, you've had a lot to say on Twitter about uh, our disco uh, uh, <laughs> number, which which uh, disco which blue. We're still undefeated oh, in uh, this year. Um, what do you think of Carlton's uh, number? No, oh, it's a disgrace. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's up there with our sort of white and silver effort from a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was just a, a crime against fashion. Uh, but yeah, I, lo- I love the disco jumper. I'm not suggesting it should replace the real one. And it's probably because I, I came in just after its initial run in the 80s. So I'm not scarred by the failure of its initial, <laughs> its initial run. Uh, but it just it gets me going. It's like hearing... You know, come on, demons! At the start of the start of the show here, it just gets me going. It's uh, I can't uh, elaborate any more on why I love that jumper so much, but it's it's really it's really got me going this year. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, it, our game against Carlton in a few weeks, I believe it's their home game. Is oh it? God, watch out! Match so day experience yes. alert. <laughs> there you go. Well, They're going to have. Have you seen there um, when they have the huddle and then they have these people running around them waving flags while all the players are in the huddle and one of them's the bloke dressed as you know Mr. Carlton. Oh, Captain Carlton. Is, it's the most. Imp- they, they are. Yeah, you know, I don't know if any Carlton fans would be listening, but their match day experience is the most 
desperate attempt to try and prove that they're still a big club <laughs> that you'll ever see. The Hovercraft, a couple of years ago, they had like pyro that almost blew up a kid, <laughs> except an MCG attendant that pulled the kid out of the way at the last minute. It's just ridiculous. Like, I thought St Kilda's was a bit low rent on the weekend, <laughs> but just wait. Just wait for a that, couple of That weeks. Hovercraft uh, a couple of years come. ago, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen at a football oh. match. And the noise <laughs> that it made was absolutely yeah, disgraceful that it's it just should like be allowed to do burnouts on the club. sacred turf of the MCG. Yeah. So I can't wait for that. It actually, that's what I like about away games. Now that we're not allowed to have people, you know, breaking their neck, pulling screamers down anymore. Oh, so what happened with that? Did, did, has that been canned as a result there of was that? A, there was a rumour file, 3AW rumour file, <laughs> that's been given the food. <laughs> so we've got a few weeks before we play a home game at the G again. So I guess they can uh, run it past the legal department. So uh, Robbo's got to come up with um, with something new. I, I believe when he was on this podcast, um, I don't think you interviewed him, Grapevine. I think uh, Whispering Jack was, was on that day. Was yeah. on that day, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm just having a false memory of fake, <laughs> making my own fake news. But I thought he said he came up with that. So um, yeah. Well, as Watch we saw face. on Twitter after the incident on Anzac Eve, there actually is a waiver. There's a one page waiver. It said you can't sue. Hames Paints, and you can't sue the <laughs> Melbourne Football Club. Or Jesse but, Hogan. <laughs> or Jesse Hogan, or Russell Robinson. But it didn't actually mention that you couldn't sue the MCG. So if the uh, the man ah. who injured himself is listening, that's my free advice to you. Wow. <laughs> we might not be playing Call, home, no, call we, no Wiki Carbone. We... The MCG might go bust, and we might be playing all our home games at at, at our new fortress. So you that's my plan. There you go. Yeah, you the go. Premiership plan. <laughs> um, uh, all right, um, Oscar uh, Oscar McDonald, great in defence again. Uh, I uh, Lever didn't have a lot of possessions. I liked what he did. I, I liked him a few times. He came down forward a little bit. Liked some of that. I would have liked him to slot through that goal. Uh, when he had a shot tied on the boundary, <laughs> I think he kicked on the full um, or, or behind. Um, Tommy McDonald continues to sort of impress and uh, he's got the straightest kick I've ever seen. Um, Just does not miss. Uh, I think I it saw... It doesn't make any sense on the historical record, but you're right. It's just, it's incredible. Rusey mentioned it somewhere that he, he sort of admitted that uh, Tom had a terrible kick when he was in defence, but for some reason when he's in front of goals, he can just uh, kick straight. Um, D, D Zephyr asked uh, for our thoughts on tracks goal kicking and says that he noticed he's missed a few during the warm-up also. Uh, Petraka last year kicked uh, 26 goals, 6 and this which year? is incredibly accurate, and he's kicked three goals eight wow. this year. So... And his first season was quite inaccurate as well. Oh, well he, got, he kicked 12-11, but I think the set shots were – there was a few botched set shots in that. So it's kind of he's kind of reverted to the, the first season. So at least we know he can do it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, – look, I'm still waiting for, for track just to – absolutely blow apart uh, games and uh, I think it'll come. <laughs> I'm patient. Um, two players, again, I was a little bit disappointed in this week. Um, I think they were the two last week I was disappointed in were uh, first Neil Bullen 
Um, I'm not sure what we do there. Um, I think once Viney is back, uh, I think he might be in for a spell. And I wasn't impressed with uh, Tyson either. I think he got a little bit of the ball, but he butchered a lot of it too. So I don't know, guys. What are what are your thoughts? Uh, am I being harsh oh, or no? I'm I'm with you. If if Ty, Viney and Salem were both playing, that's who I would. I'd be taking out Tyson uh, and Neil Bullen. I know it's controversial on Tyson. Yeah, people, he gets a lot of the ball. People get fired up when you you try to drop him. Um, but I, I agree. I think I, I don't think his possessions had great impact. Yeah. Uh, and that's where you look at a guy who had twice as many handballs as kicks. How many of those handballs had an impact and how many of them were one-meter jobs to a bloke who had someone about to tackle him? Um, kicked a ripper of a goal. Yeah. Um, and he's not, by any stretch of the imagination, a player that I'm going to say we should delist, never play again. Like he's he's handy, um, but I just think he's the stat line um, possibly oversells his impact a bit. Someone wrote that if he kicked the ball every time the way he kicks for goal, he'd be a lot better because he's he can kick a ripper goal. But uh, yeah, he's, but he's three minutes kicking. after he kicked that goal, he had the ball in the exact same spot. And he had a couple of seconds to assess what to do, and he kicked it to, straight to us and killed the defender in the goal square. And he just there were just mistakes, too many mistakes like that, where uh, he just turns the ball over or he's too slow to make a decision and gets caught. I just think he's not he's not essential to this team. He's a handy player. He's good to have for depth, but I don't think he's an essential player and I see Clint Biscuit says Tyson out isn't controversial and I agree with that but you will find there are people who will almost want to punch on with you for having that opinion um, it, it does trigger a few people to suggest that Tyson's not in the best 22 and look it's fair to say that he's not in his best position he's been played on a wing at the moment where clearly he's a clearance player that should be in the middle but the fact is there are better inside players at the moment um, Oliver, Brayshaw, uh, Viney and Jones are all going to get a gig in there ahead of him. So, um, yeah, don't know what yeah. the future holds for Dom. And what about Neil Bullen? Uh, uh, no composure um, and just uh, very poor disposal and decision-making. Uh, I know he does, covers a lot of ground yeah. and very good defensively with all these pressure acts. But again, um, someone who um, stops scoring chains and opportunities from happening because he's, the, the link breaks down at Neil Bourne. Mm. I think his confidence is shot. Yeah. For looking, looking from afar. Uh, I do think it's probably worth it at some point in the near future that he goes back and, and has a run with Casey. Uh, again, handy player, certainly not trying to kick him out of the door, but, um, yeah, definitely needs to go back and find some confidence. Yeah, yeah I thought Harmsy was a lot better this week. I think I was a bit critical of him last week, uh, but um, I like more of his game this week. Um Again, impressed with uh, both Fritch and Spargo. I think they're starting to uh, show, show a bit and uh, will keep their places in the team, certainly. Um, uh, who else was I uh, having a look at? Um, Wiedemann. Um, 
yeah, he impressed me a little bit. Uh, not getting a heap of the ball, took an absolute beauty of a mark um, and kicked two goals and was involved in, I think, another one as well. Uh, sort of between the third and fourth quarters, so I think he's got a good kick on him. Yeah, he's got a good kick. I think they're, I think they're just definitely in the next two weeks they'll persist with him. He'll be in for sure, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just it's just a case of getting the ball yeah. to him more. Like if you look at his his career stats to date, um, you know, he never had more than twelve disposals in a game. Usually does pretty well when he gets them. Um, obviously, good goal kicker, um, but just that finding how to get the ball. Um, and I guess at Casey, he's playing as more of a like the, the focal point up forward. Whereas now you put him in a team with Jones and Hogan, uh, Hogan and McDonald. Yeah. Sorry, you need to find a role for him there. And I look, he's there is no doubt about his effort. His effort is great when the ball's on the ground. Uh, it's just a case of getting the ball into his hands more. On the weekend, he only had three kicks for two goals, and two of them were set shots on goal, or the mark and the set shot on goal from the 50. So he's not finding all that much of the ball. You'd probably find Pedersen would, would be giving us more there. But I think we need to persist with him, again, like you say, for a few weeks at least yep. um, to make sure that we're building for, for next year. Yeah, I think they're doing, I said last week, they're going down the Oscar McDonald route with him and, and just playing him. Um, yeah. well, and he, I think takes, he, could, he also takes a man, and the structure's working at the moment with Hogan, McDonald, Wienerman and Gorn doing their rotational things. So, um, absolutely, keep on. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I don't think, it's drop, I don't think it's costing us anything no, at the moment. No, And what do you think of his, um, his ruck work? Uh, he had no hit outs. Um, you go with, no, persist with him in the ruck? a bit away from the ball. <laughs> when I was paying close attention. So, look, he's pretty oh, new think... to the caper. He's only started this year, so... Yeah. He's not a ruckman, um, so... <laughs> that'll, uh, yeah, he'll develop in that area too. I think we're the position we're in, that you take Gorn out, you're really just, uh, you know, it's, a, it's just a warm body in the middle, <laughs> as long as they're not crashed. Um, I don't really think it's going to impact that much. Um, I would probably prefer McDonald do it, but then you lack having him as a target if we get the cl- if we get a quick break out. Uh, but we all know Max is playing, you know, ninety five percent of the game. So as long as that continues, he doesn't uh, you know get injured or slow down as the season goes on. I think we can handle that sort of five percent. Someone else um, playing in the middle. Clint Biscuit in the chat room says playing with three key forwards is key for us. Uh, Wiedemann slash Peterson slash T Smith can all play the third tall role and, and that's good you know um, and then you got Gorn just dropping in with some freelance chaos every once in a while to keep the defense on their on their toes as well so that's that's a really great option to have and yeah. to be able to just randomly drop him in there too yep all right so we can move on uh from the game um uh, just a uh, housekeeping in terms of our um the demon land player of the year that scientific uh, uh <laughs> best on ground uh way that we do things um max gorn uh, we've sort of got a clear top 4 at the moment we've got gorn oliver hogan jones uh clearly been our best four Four players uh, for the year. Um, 
As that, now that matches the leaderboard on the Alan Jakovic medal on Demon Blog. No, oh, there you they're, go. Those four are well clear of everyone else. So perhaps our, our method is scientific after all. Um, oh, perhaps mine is. Yours is probably more scientific than, uh, than mine, but uh, it comes out, comes out with the same big four. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I reckon uh, Gorney keeps it up. He'll uh, take home Bluey, I think, uh, this year. Um, but then again, Clayton Oliver can't uh, can't uh, can't take him out of the, that contest. Uh, I think Viney's going to find it very hard uh, from, from uh, here to uh, to wrest it away from them. Um, having a look at uh, our injury list, um, not very uh, big at the moment. Uh, not no big names with uh, Viney has been uh, he'll be named in the in the twos this week. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Um, would you have liked to have played him, or you're happy with the way with what um, Goodwin said about him today and the reasons? They oh, gave? he's got to come back in the twos. He hasn't played for nearly ten months, so um, you can do all the running in the world and. We've got our AFL preparation unit or whatever um, Goodwin's referring to, the squad that got Tommy ready. Um, but though, you can't compare those two players. T-Mac had a completely different build-up to uh, to Jack. So, uh, you know, the, particularly the fact that we're playing, um, you know, a lower-ranked club this week, I think it's the smart move. And even if we're playing a top-ranked club, I would have brought him back through the twos this week. I agree. Look, I, I was willing to wear it and wear it as a as, as a sort of test game and not expect too much out of him. But the the sane and sensible thing to do that's probably the more romantic thing that to rush him straight back in. The sane thing to do is to put him through the twos. Do you think they'll uh, play him the next week against uh, an inferior team as well? Yeah, I would have thought so. If he gets through, if he gets through the uh, Casey game, are they playing at Casey Fields or one of these other VF? VFL grounds. That's no, just I think it's a Casey. Car park. It's a Casey. Yeah. Well. All right. So Salem. There's grass there. Salem also um, will be undergoing a, a well, a set of fitness tests, but uh, I think um, I think he's right to go, uh, and it just uh, according to Misson uh, and his injury report, and it'll just depend on whether he gets a game this week, and it's you know I think they might uh, play him this week. Um, changes for this week. What do you think? Uh, obviously, Viney's not coming in. Uh, do we have any other? There's no other in guys injured. Uh, so who comes out uh, for possibly Salem? And does Jeffy Garlett uh, get back in without having done his penance in the twos? Oh, I would say I'd say Neil Bullen out for Salem. I know it's not a straight swap, but I'm yeah. sure they can uh, work something out. Uh, and on Garlett, no, I wouldn't pick him. Um, certainly not. I think Hannon Fridge and the forward setup as it is, is um, looking quite good at the moment. And again, like the other guys, it's not a it's not a write-off. It's not a uh, death sentence. Um, I just think it'd be good if he, he did come through the VFL with a few good performances. And, you know, Hannon and Fridge, they, they might dip as the season goes on as well and, and give Garlett another chance to get back in. Great Viney, any thoughts on that? 
yeah, I, I agree. Salem for um, Salem for A and B. I notice some people are talking about Hunt potentially getting dropped. I can't see that happening. Uh, I think he's been finding a little bit of uh, of his run back, um, which is good. Even though some of his disposal has let him down the past couple of weeks, but I think he's getting back into some good form. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit, little bit more, um, little bit more uh, unsure about Garlett. I, I'm a, always been a fan, and love to see him in the team. And he can, you know, he can kick five out of nothing and nowhere. Um, so it's it's always tempting to put him in, but I'm not sure who would make way for him this week. Um, I don't think Mitch Hannon had a great game. No, but I don't know whether. Goodwin wants to start doing yo-yos um, between the ones and the twos, players who are sort of um, good one week and, and maybe not so good the next. So we'll wait to see what Simon says. Yeah, well, it's also we're coming off a six-day break after three games in 12 days, so that might be a consideration, but, yeah. The, Could it be the Salem for Vince in that in that? Um, with that sort of thinking that um, that maybe Vince needs a rest after after three big games. Very well, could be. But as you say, we've got to wait for Simon Says uh, tomorrow night, um, and that will uh, that will tell us what's uh, happening. Um, uh, moving on from from the changes, uh, there's some. AFLW news uh, this week. A uh, few players jumping, jumping ship. I don't know if you call it jumping ship or they're just taking, you know, going to greener pastures. There's some new clubs in there. There's a bit of probably a bit of money thro- being thrown around to some players. Um, but we lost Mel Hickey, uh, Rochelle Cranston, Aaron Hoare, and someone else. Anna Teague. Anna Teague. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've all uh, left the D's. Um, sad to see Rocky go. I liked her. liked Mel Hickey. She was a uh, uh, great find. You'll remember she's a trivia question in the Demon Land podcast land of who was the first interview. Um, so sad to see her go, uh, you know, great uh, servant of the club. And, um, you know, she was one of the faces of the club for the AFLW for, for those couple of years. So, yeah, sad to see her go. I mean, we're not uh, missing her for a year because she's going to miss the season that's probably true. with the knee injury anyway. But the other factor for her is that, of course, um, her great uncle was the great Reg Hickey, so she's got family connections to Geelong. So I'm not surprised to see that um, uh, that she'd go back and finish there. Um, that's probably uh, fitting at a, at a sort of, you know, at that emotional level. So uh, all the best. Uh, the best of luck to to Mel and the others. I think what it's going to do to the next season is that the uh, the interstate teams surely this gives them a leg up. Uh, that you've got you know, Emma Kearney has gone to North Melbourne, and you know they're they're going to be grabbing a few players here and there from all the Victorian teams, whereas the interstate teams are not going to be as badly affected by that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if if you see more. Obviously, Adelaide and Brisbane played in that first grand final. Brisbane played in this grand final. Uh, if you if you see the interstate teams start to, um, you know, really mon- monopolise the top of the ladder while everyone else sort of levels out a bit, we've probably missed our chance. It's not to say we, we can't 
win, but those two seasons of narrowly missing out when we had that the inaugural side, now it starts to break up. You lose, certainly with Hickey and Cranston, you lose two very experienced players, AFLW very experienced players. Um, the other two have played four games each this year. Um, but it is a big chunk of uh, big chunk of our best side. I was about to say best 22, but it's not a... <laughs> it's best eight. Best, it was just... It's like best 16, yeah, how many on the bench, who knows. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at the before Hickey did her did knee, that's three players from that team um, that are out the door in one go. So it's a lot of experience to bring in. It'll be interesting to see what we do to cover that. Um, obviously, a lot of the AFLW drafting at the moment is being done sort of on the vibe of this person is a great netballer or a great basketballer, bring her in and let's see what happens. Um, there's not that. It'd be interesting to see if they go out and tr- actually try and find a few less fashionable footballers than to fill the experience gap rather than project players. Yeah, yeah. I think we're lucky also that, and look, it's bad. I agree we've lost some talent, certainly in Hickey and uh, and Rocky Cranston, but I think we were lucky to escape with our absolute top shelf talent still intact. Um, you know, the likes of obviously Daisy's not going to go anywhere, but uh, certainly uh, Karen Paxman and um, Elise O'Day, um, and probably also Tegan Cunningham, um, who you know certainly showed a lot uh, during this season. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I, they've, I think they've expanded too soon. Um, I think they really needed a few more years to bed it down before um, further diluting the the talent pool. And with another round to come after this, I think. Does Hawthorne or someone comes in? Yeah, next year, it's the in year another after few well. years, Richmond, I think, isn't it? Two or Hawthorne three years or Richmond down. or someone come in the year after. So not only do you lose these players now, but then we're going to have another round of this yep. with the Victorian clubs again being flattened out a year later. So I would be having substantial money were I a betting man on the likes of Brisbane and Adelaide um, you know winning this competition over the next couple of years Interesting I'll I'll just uh, go back Uh, S. Phoebe in the uh, Demonland podcast thread actually had a few discussion topics we've discussed most of them but one of them he talked about he asked about was the upcoming run uh, we've got Gold Coast uh, Carlton uh, Adelaide uh, are we playing them in Darwin or, or in Alice Springs uh, Alice uh, in Alice, uh, and then Bulldogs and Collingwood before the bye. Uh, that's uh, what's that? Five matches. Um, uh, I'd love to to win four, four or five of those. Oh, obviously, I'd like to win five. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, coming into the run home after that, uh, after the bye, I think we'd like to get sort of four of those, and I think that's achievable. I think we just got to lock these next two away and then go to go to Alice to play yeah. Adelaide and then see where we're at. Yeah. Uh, because should we win the next two, and I'm not getting ahead of myself, we've <laughs> yeah. all we've all seen us. <laughs> we are Melbourne favorites. supporters. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The idea of winning as favourites four times in oh. a row is hard to to comprehend in my head. The idea of being favourites four times in a row is hard to comprehend. Uh, but I, what I really want to do is get those two games and then have a look at us against Adelaide. Yeah. Weird conditions, different ground, but. That's where we'll get a get a proper look at where we're at, uh, and I wouldn't be, you know, that com- not, I would be still be confident of beating Collingwood, but it's not like you can put it down as what you think is going to be a gimme. Um, 
Bulldogs more so, probably more likely that we're going to beat them. Uh, but the Pies are uh, uh, ex- exceeding expectations so far. Great, Viney. Uh, how do you see the next few? Are you just focusing oh, on uh, one week at a time? Ahead. I mean, you can't you, – yeah. it's hard to know what's going to happen from week to week. When we played North, it was uh, marked down as a must win and should win and definitely we will uh, definitely will win. But if we were coming up against North this week, well, it would be – it would look like a whole different proposition given their um, form over the last couple of weeks. So – yeah, uh, one week at a time for me. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm hanging my hat at the moment on the fact that we beat North Melbourne and they're in the eight at the moment. <laughs> That's uh, yep. um, this this week. Gold Coast, uh, both Grapeviney and myself were actually going to the game. Um, so if there's any Demonlanders going to the game and want to uh, shout us a beer. Um, <laughs> Well, we'll we'll be we'll be there. Um, are you excited to venture to the Gabba, Grapeviney? I am. I was there. I think I've been there once before, and saw us lose to Brisbane about three or four years ago. Uh, a one of those rare games where Nathan Jones didn't play. Um, so I've checked the weather, and it's a uh, it's a whole um, darn sight better than what we're going to be having in Melbourne. So. Uh, should be a good trip. Hopefully, we come home with a four four points. I'm yeah. very jealous having having been to the other Melbourne Gold Coast game at the Gabba, and I thought for historical purposes, surely that's never going to happen again. I can tick off that I've been to the only Melbourne Gold Coast game at the Gabba, and <laughs> here we are, seven years later. I was almost tempted to go up just to uh, just to make sure I, I did two out of two. Um, that was a good day. We won by about 90 points, and I, I got very sour about us not winning by more. So <laughs> things, are, things have certainly changed over the years. Yeah, no, I'm excited to uh, to go. I've only – well, I have never seen the Ds of the Gabba. I've been to a, a Bulldogs um, a Brisbane game there once, uh, which wasn't very exciting. But, um, yeah. Be good to well, see. That was, yeah, that was my that was the first win. I think I saw three losses against Brisbane uh, before that, or two losses against Brisbane before I saw. I thought, well, we've got to win this. I'm going. Um, we, surely we're going to beat Gold Coast in their fifth game in club history, and duly we did. Uh, and then next week we uh, got thumped by the Eagles in Perth, and I was trying to sack the coach. So <laughs> that, that, that's football for you. That happens every week on exactly. Demon Land. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, so uh, Grapeviney and I will be there. Um, hope, hopefully we do catch up with some Demon Landers at some point. Um, uh, just uh, on on a story that uh, we were speaking about on the podcast a few weeks ago, Grapeviney, do you recall the brouhaha that came up with the Queen's birthday game uh, yep. about the rooms, uh, the premium members' uh, rooms we were talking about. The club's yep. come out with a statement saying an update on their uh, Queen's Birthday premium rooms issue. Uh, 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 as you may have heard recently, there have been some changes made to the premium member social rooms for the upcoming uh, Queen's Birthday game. Uh, this was an oversight by the club and we would like to take the opportunity to apologise for the confusion. The solution has been reached and uh, and had support from the function volunteers. 
uh, is to continue availability for both rooms for premium members, uh, but we ask uh, for premium members to accept that part of the rider room will be used by a long-standing sponsor for a private function on this occasion. Uh, food and bar service uh, will be as normal in the rider room. With, yeah, the with, most with, boring bit of Wait, that. wait. With Pirate Pete still in yes. attendance. Who's Pirate Pete? That's what I was wondering. I thought <laughs> That's I was what being I was wondering. Who is Pirate that? Pete? He sounds actually a bit creepy, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think I want Pirate Pete at my pre-game function. Um, swing in on a big rope. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just looking up who Pirate Pete is. Uh, I, I'm... Fascinated. I, Look, I thought, it's good honestly, that they're. When I saw sorry, that, you guys I thought, Am I being rude asking who Pirate Pete is? Like, is he somebody who everybody knows? And I'm going to sound rude asking who he is. So I'm, I'm glad. Well, the first thing on Google is Pirate Pete yes, potty, the potty training. training. Uh, wait, maybe we can play this uh, YouTube clip. Uh, oh, there's an ad coming up, so let's mute uh, mute the ad. But uh, in two seconds, uh, we'll skip this ad. Thank you very much. Pirate Pete's mini golf at the Maru Koala and Animal Park. This is story time. Uh, Pirate Pete's potty training. This is Pirate Pete. He is a little boy. Uh, Pirate Pete wears a nappy underneath his big pirate trousers. <laughs> he uses nappies right to do one. wheeze and poos in. Okay, thank you very much. Well, that's Pirate Pete. <laughs> that's going to be one hell of well, a... Well, that's, uh, that's us one when we playing bruise-free football, isn't it? <laughs> That's Pirate Pete. I, I hope that's the right Pirate Pete because uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but I don't think that is the – I don't know because there's a Pirate Pete who – it's an Australian website. He's Entertainment for Children and Families. So it might be that Pirate Pete. Um, you can follow him on Twitter if you uh, like. Um, He's got them, and he's pirate paid. If you go on there and go below the uh, the potty training video into the website, it is the most nineteen eighties looking website you'll ever see in your life. Like it actually looks like it was made on a Apple IIe. A. It, it it does. It looks like it, it, that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, the animation on that. Welcome aboard, pirate Pete. And even the the uh, the Comic Sans sort of red on a. A green background and capitals. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's a, it's a 90s website with 80s animation on it. Yeah. It's even got the button down the bottom, safe surf rated, <laughs> the kind of button that you would see on websites in you know, sort of 1998. Net Nanny or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, George on the outer has clarified, Pirate Pete does the face painting and the balloon sculpting for the kids. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so. No uh, potty training. Not the toilet training. It's, not the toilet training. Uh, maybe the two can team up and um, do face painting, balloon sculpting, and toilet training <laughs> together. Clint Biscuit wants to know whether he can still bring his cheese platter to this private function, which is a very good question. Um, and you might have to take that one up with a club. Apparently, you can bring it everywhere else in the ground. You can just cart your, <laughs> cart your cheese knives through the gates, no problems. No, that shouldn't that, be much unless Pirate Pete's got something to say about it. There shouldn't be too many problems. <laughs> that that cheese platter uh, set back the stereotype of a Melbourne supporter <laughs> by a long way. There was Jack Watts was on AFL Game Day, and I don't usually tend to watch anything with Hamish McLaughlin on it. But when I saw Watts was on it, I watched it, and they he tried to do a cheese a, com, a comparison between Port fans all singing their song and waving their scarves and doing all that silliness. 
and the Melbourne fan eating the cheese and like never has a joke died so badly. <laughs> Watts gave it nothing to his credit. I was hoping you'd actually tell him to get stuffed, but he gave it nothing <laughs> to his credit. The studio audience gave nothing, none of the other panels. It was one of those situations where the person who does the joke has to repeat the punchline because oh, they think that good. everyone's missed it, but everyone had already heard it and they just <laughs> yeah. thought it was rubbish. Um, yeah, It's never so, a good look when you have to repeat a joke and it still nah, goes down. It's like having to explain the punchline. <laughs> yeah. You just give up. Uh, but do we even uh, – I've been steering away from Jack Watt's talk um, – uh, on the podcast um just i haven't really seen much of his play i've just been following his stats and they've been quite un- underwhelming uh sort of jack watts melbourne like um with the exception the interesting of 2016. thing they had on one of the footy shows last night uh sorry on um monday night i think um and that is that melbourne is leading the competition in contested ball and I think Port Adelaide was sitting 16th or 17th for contested ball. And that's not surprising when you look at, uh, you know, Watts, Mop Mop being brought in. Um, and they had a reputation of being downhill skiers uh, prior um, to those two coming into the club. So um, I saw one of the footy experts rated all their acquisitions and what's got the best market, a lot of them, and that was a C plus. So well, not really setting the world on fire, and I didn't expect him to. So well, at the begin, uh, at the end of the trade period last year, they got an A plus for their acquisitions, if I recall correctly, and <laughs> they've they've all been very underwhelming. Uh, I thought, what, did I read that Rockliffe was playing in the twos uh, the other week? So. Yeah, well, uh, that's where that's where Jack Drengove is too. So, well, that I'm not surprised about. But um, is he still uh, he's is, still kicking around? Is he on their list at, still? I think he is because I, I, I think, think they've is, got yeah. the the four horsemen of the Melbourne 2013 <laughs> apocalypse going around at the same time. Watts, Barry, Drengove, and Tumpus all on the same all in the same list. Hmm. Well, but uh, yeah, look, I think we've moved on from Watts. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I think the excitement when he had a, a really good game in the first game was was a bit OTT just because he'd had a few good first games of the season for us that hadn't been followed up. Um, and probably around the, the Hawthorne-Richmond games, I was sort of pondering whether maybe having him there would have helped. But you take McDonald, put him in there, and I think look, I think we've got that forward line to the point where we just need to get the ball to them. They'll know what to do if we can get the ball to them. And look, I've been more more excited about Fritch in these few games than I have been uh, about Jack. Um, so yeah, I'm happy with that sort of trade off at the moment. Um, yeah, I haven't thought of him once during our games this year. Not not at any stage have I thought, gee, I wish Jack was still out there. And that's really the measure, isn't it? Whether you're missing him or not, not what he's doing for Port. Yeah, I, I agree. I haven't uh, thought much about him either. Um, anything else, fellas? Um, anything you'd like to bring up uh, before we uh, wind down uh, for the evening? Oh, no, not for me. I'll be on the couch on Saturday afternoon. Probably not on the couch. More hovering over my TV and yelling <laughs> at it. Uh, but uh, yes, enjoy enjoy the gabber. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute friends and family atmosphere. Uh, in the crowd, there won't be too many. There won't be too many Gold Coast fans there, 
let alone the ones <laughs> trekking down to Brisbane or up to Brisbane, to whichever Brisbane. direction it's in. So we, we might actually get the crowd numbers well, uh, in our favour. I was just about to think between the, the cheer squad and uh, Grapeviney and myself, we might outnumber the Gold Coast fans. That, that, that'll be interesting, actually, to well, see what crowd they get there. The, the one, it is obviously seven years ago, and uh, the one I went to, it was, there was an enormous stack on of school kids. Like, and they couldn't care less. They were just, they'd obviously all been given free tickets. Um, yeah, and had no idea what they were watching. But I think that helped uh, get people get people going. It's the old the tried and trusted method, isn't it? Get the school kids yeah. and get the uh, get the oldies in as well. Bus them in. Yep. So the, the, it's a 4.35 game, I believe. So that'll be interesting too um, in terms of crowd for that. I don't think it's a... Uh, I don't know. It's on a Saturday, though, so better than a 4.30 on a Sunday. Um, all right. Uh, Grapeviney, anything else um, from you? Nope. No? Nope. I'm done. Yep. You're done. Um, uh, Super Mercado, you want to uh, plug uh, your Twitter? Uh, I'll highly recommend following uh, this, this guy. Uh, very entertaining. <laughs> I'll give you the trifecta of plugs. You've got the Twitter, at DemonBlog. Yep. Uh, you've got DemonBlog.com for the actual blog and of course demonwiki.org for all your uh, nqr statistical uh, purposes for the melbourne football club i just had an email today from someone who played in the 1980 scholarship squad giving me details <laughs> for his profile so it's always a winner so if you're listening out there and you uh, played reserves or under 19s or anything definitely get in contact with us because we want your story uh, i've got a feeling that uh that andy's brother might have played in one of those squads uh, as yeah, a junior, was it the Robbie Flowers squad? Yeah, he played in one of those. I can't remember which one, um, but yeah, he did. Uh, I'm just I'm on the DemonWiki.org uh, page, and I always love the random images. Uh, is there a way for me to identify uh, who it is on the image? I've got it's it's the image name is Bryce JPG, but it's not the Bryce who I. Was Paul Bryce we used to have, but that's n- it's yep. not him. Uh, it's a guy with a nice mullet uh, in a Drake uh, adorned uh, footy jumper. Um, so now yeah. I've got a di- obviously got a different random image. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've got Rodney Grinter being pulled up from a seated position by a hand where you can't see who it's connected to. Well, he's got a funny look on his face. Well, it's a, and so I've I don't got know the how 19, typing Rice into the I've got search the has given me so many funny pictures of Rod Grinter. <laughs> I've got the 1994 team photo, but it's it's the relaxed version oh, where the classic. players have got their hands on each other's shoulders and they're kind and of chilling out. You can almost see out, that Darren man. Cowell at the front has got his, uh, you know, you almost see his plums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a rare sighting of Ivan Bartul. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. But yes, demonwiki.org, get on it. Yeah, de- lots, of, uh, lots of good info in there. Definitely. All right. Um, I think uh, we'll, we'll, end, uh, we'll end the show there and we'll let um, Super Mercado listen to this uh, fabulous song one more time. Did, did you, after the last appearance on this uh, podcast, did you go and search out the song on YouTube and have a look at the uh, video that accompanies, accompanies it? I watch that video about once a week. 
Oh, great. The highlight, the highlight being Ricky Jackson being stuffed in a locker, climbing out. <laughs> yes. In second place, Andy Lovell chopping down a yes. goalpost with yes. an axe. I was just about to mention that. I actually, I actually had so I, I put I posted that uh, this on uh, Facebook uh, uh, earlier on in the year, and I actually had the um, relatives of the trainer. There's a trainer who's um, massaging someone, and he looks up into the distance, uh, dreaming about the Premiership. He's a famous old trainer. That yeah, he sees the Premiership Cup. That's right. His his family contacted me and said thank you for posting that. They <laughs> they they were wrapped, and they, they I. I organised, you know, to get it uh, downloaded for them and sent it to them so they could send it to other family members. Um, Thanks, Glenn Lovett, who's the the, uh, recipient of the rub. Yes, (laughs) I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, thank you you for joining us. Uh, Grape Viney, thank you, uh, Super Mikado. Thank you to Chris, who called in, and Don't Make Me Angry, who also called in. We really appreciate it hearing other Demon Landers. Uh, go Dees, and we'll be back next week. Same time, same go place. Days. Thanks, James. Thank you.